This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Thanks, as always, to our great partners at Pendleton Whiskey for their continued support of everything according to Flint. Welcome to episode 65 of the podcast. And anxious to have a good friend of mine this week, a PRCA steer wrestler, but also a Super Bowl winning Tight end as a member of the New York Giants, it's Bear Pasco, who has big goals of someday qualifying for the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Looking forward to a great conversation with our friend Bear Pasco. But first, this message from our friends at Montana Silversmiths. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana silversmiths, buckles, and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana silversmiths, buckles, and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 65, according to Flint, and the one and only... Former tight end for, I don't know, I'll call it the Giants and the Bears, the Falcons, uh, various National Football League clubs across the country and PRCA. Steer wrestler, our good friend Bear Pasco. I want to get this out of the way right away. I didn't tell you this before we went on the air, but I have every, I mean, school mascot shirt, everything. I could not find a Fresno State. So all I did was wear red and blue. Is it you appreciate I, the effort? I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort. I I don't even know if they still make a Bear Pasco Fresno State jersey anymore. If they don't know who I am anymore. So if it's there okay. is one, if there is one, let's find it. Because okay. years ago when I was there, I think I would I have still been doing the rodeo when didn't David Carr play for I had a, I have somewhere in a box a David Carr Fresno State Bulldogs football jersey. They probably still have you wear his when, when you go go to Fresno to do to do the PBR there because you know he's he's a pretty big big name guy coming out of there. Um, when he's I'm in, great, he's what? He's a great. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a really good friend of mine. So is that your era? Did you play with David Carr? I was right behind David. David was two thousand uh, early two thousands, and I came in in two thousand four. So he just he. I think he was dropped in 2000, 2001, and I came in right after him. Man, then, not that this was on the script to talk about, but talk about a guy who got a bad go in the NFL playing behind the worst offensive line. He just got the crap beat out yeah. of him. I felt bad for that guy from day one. I know, and he's extremely, extremely talented. Like, just one of the strongest arms that I've ever caught a football from is David. 
like the only ball that I've ever heard actually whistle as it's coming to me. <laughs> and it's unreal. It was funny. Like him and I used to sit at lunch and talk about it, you know, just because I was just like, man, how, how did you stay so upbeat during the, that time? And he's like, ah, it's just, you know, just my personality. But he goes, I never knew who my offensive line was. He goes, they'd play a game on Sunday. He'd get killed. They'd cut the left tackle sign work somebody out new on monday tuesday sign them they'd start the next week he'd get killed again and then they cut that guy <laughs> you know so it's like the re revolving door of offensive lineman because i never knew who i had <laughs> that's right uh eddie uh jim who the hell are you man <laughs> like that that's yeah. a that would be a weird uh dynamic of pro sports compared that i don't think anybody really can grasp the pro sports where, you know, you can get benched in college, but you're not just out of the building so much. I would think right. that's a strange thing. You probably, did you experience any of that where, where you'd see guys like, where'd he go? Like, or, or do oh. you know, do you kind of know what's going on? You, you know what's going on, but like, you really see that during training camp, you know, where it's like, they're trying to find the guys that they need to, you know, they want to see more out of and they're like okay we don't need this guy anymore so it's like you'll you'll be at practice with somebody one day during training camp and the next day they're gone and you're just like well okay i guess, <laughs> guess jimmy bob joe so-and-so just didn't have what it took or they they wanted wanted something else you yeah. know so it, that kid yeah. from, that kid from central north dakota tech he's gone he left yeah. his shoes and everything Everything. Oh yeah. Didn't even take his cleats with him. Is it, uh, I watch, I try to keep up with training camp stuff and I'm enthralled and maybe you, maybe you aren't, you know, you probably aren't enthralled just like I'm not enthralled with Yellowstone because I live in Montana. You're probably not enthralled with, uh, uh, hard knocks, the HBO deal. I love watching training camp. Um, oh yeah. I don't really watch it, but I kind of, I always like seeing what teams they pick to be on it just because that, that year I went to the Falcons, we were on hard knocks. And so we always had that, that year during training camp, we always had microphones on our jerseys and, and stuff like that. So you kind of watch out what you, what you're saying. So it, it, by the time again, cause I'm, I love football. Like I'm a football guy, you know that um, by the time you get to training camp, are you kind of used to the pressure and the big time stuff? Because I watch guys really that don't know if they're going to make a team. And I think it would be hard to play relaxed and do what you do with that kind of pressure on you thinking you could be gone the next day. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely tough. It's definitely tough. I mean, the longer you're at that level, the more, the easier it is to deal with. But those, those young rookies that are, that come in and are, they're not drafted, but they're signed as free agents. And mm -hmm. like, it depends on them having a good game. If they, they get to even, even come back for practice squad, you know, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking and they're trying to do good and, and they're playing their butts off. And it's, so it, it, it can be pretty, pretty frustrating. You know, like I've, I've been in that situation multiple times, <laughs> you know, you just gotta learn, you gotta be able to put that aspect in the back of your mind and just go play the game. Yeah. Did you know you were going to get drafted? I, it was, is there enough? 
you were drafted what sixth round, six rounds. So what's there seven, seven rounds? I think now, now there's seven rounds and, and yeah, I, all the analysts and stuff, when you're a senior and you're coming out, you know, they have their predictions and, and everything. And so, so that year I was drafted, they predicted me to go from the sec anywhere from the second round to the fourth round. And I think my performance at the combine really dropped me down to the <laughs> <laughs> that was actually I was going to ask. So you went to the you got invited. You got to get invited, right? You got right. invited to the combine. Yeah, yeah. I, I was invited to the combine. Uh, I went to the East, uh, like the senior games and stuff, mm -hmm. like Senior Bowl, East West Shrine. I got I was invited to the East West Shrine game, hoping that while I was at the East West game, I was going to get an invite to go to the Senior Bowl, but that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I went to the combine. Uh, very very nerve wracking experience. You yeah. know, it's basically just a huge vet check. I mean, from 7am till about five o'clock at night, you're in the hospital getting every little injury that you ever had through college looked at. Once you're done with that, you might have an hour to grab a quick dinner and then you're over for the Wonderlick test. You're over doing different. Now you're doing medical checks for the actual teens and and then from, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night till midnight, you're in, you're in actual meetings with coaches. Mm. So, and like, they're asking, they'll set it. You, you have, you get like this little card and you're like, okay, eight o'clock, you're in this meeting with Cleveland at, you know, eight 45, you're in this meeting with new England. You're at, and you, you might just be walking by and a guy will grab you and, Hey, let's, let's talk. And you sit down right there in the lobby of the hotel and talk for 45 minutes, you know? And so they keep you up and then they get you up early. And then like the, the easiest day that was there was the day we actually got on the field. Did the stuff. Tested. Yeah. Well, and they say, I've heard that they know everything before they ask you the question. So they're telling, oh, yeah. like I, I was watching something. They said, if they're asking you about an injury you had, you, they know. Mm -hmm. They know, know them all. They have them listed. So if you leave something out that you got to maneuver, you got to navigate all that yeah. in a weird way. I think it's, yeah. Is it, just, you, you said, you said that what you did at the combine cost you, was it this end of things or this end of things? It was the physical side of it. it, the physical <laughs> side of it. <laughs> I'm too slow. I'm too slow. What'd you run? What'd you yeah. run the 40 in? Uh, at the combine, I ran the 40, you know, it was a four, nine, one, it was a four, nine, one, which for tight ends is pretty slow. Uh, um, so I think that's what really hurt me. I, I feel like my other like catching, blocking, all the, all the stuff that actually pertain to actually playing tight end. I did, I did well. I did. Uh, I felt like it really well. What, it what, it, I'm sorry. Great. I'm intrigued by all this because the combine just got over and I think it, a lot of it is just theater, of course. You yeah. know. Okay, what was your what was your what was your official height and weight? Six five. Uh, I want to say I was six five, two fifty seven at the combine. Ooh, you were I was yeah, and I, I I didn't play my senior. I played my senior year at like two sixty five, uh, and then I trimmed down for the combine. So I was out there. I weighed in at like two fifty seven. So I was lean. You know, you know, the big thing now is hand What's size, that? hand size. Oh, that's the big, big thing. I couldn't even tell you my hand, any of my numbers, like 
from the coma. And I just, I knew, I knew my 40 time because I was so mad when I got done with it, I was walking back and they had a camera right here in my face. And I, I know they got me cussing on it. And I looked up at the big screen and it said my name and my time underneath my name. That's the only reason I know what my 40 time was. <laughs> hey, um, I'm just going to take this opportunity yeah. to tell you that yeah, when I was a senior in high school, I ran a faster 40 time than you. So don't, don't let that affect you. I'm not going <laughs> to, it's not my feelings, <laughs> but I've, I've seen you and you're pretty quick. Hey man, my, my picture's on the wall of my high school. I just, so hey. you know. I mean, I'm no slouch. I'm, I was a smooth five nine one forty. So. Never thought you were a slouch, man. <laughs> Never thought you were, but I really thought because they say you're supposed to be faster on turf than you are on grass, and uh, so I run that. I run a four nine one at the combine. Come back at my pro day in March. Combines in February. Pro day in March at Fresno State. Uh, do my two twenty five bench at at fresno that was not very good it was it was okay it yeah. was just yeah and then i i retested in everything and every every one every one of my times was faster on grass than it was on turf at the combine so i thought that would have helped a little bit but it it probably jumped me from the seventh round to the sixth round huh yeah the grass thing I don't know. I've been on turf a little bit, just fields, standing on sidelines, different things. But that's weird. You must have had a great grass field at Fresno State. Must be it was, good stuff. It was okay. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't anything special. But yeah. I just felt like at Fresno, I was more comfortable. That's It was my home. And, you know, yeah. there wasn't all the outside influences that were kind of taking your attention away from – is, it was Fresno your hometown, like high school and stuff. Well, how far away no. from there are you? Uh, I grew up about an hour and a half south of Fresno, down in Porterville. So, oh yeah, I, I know Porterville. I mean, kind of. You know, I've got I've gone used to stay out there all spring and rodeo. You know, I'd go to Red Bluff and Clovis and run down to Bakersfield and Wood Lake and all those. So, I, I mean, I, it all sounds familiar. So, but yeah. this, uh, so. You know, I've gone through the career thing of, and I still see it written, a uh, school teacher just becomes rodeo clown. Like I was teaching school and went, that looks good. And I kind of, you know, a few years ago, you know, NFL tight end, now rodeo star, you know, like, like you're playing NFL football and go, you know, I saw the PBR at Madison Square Garden that time and I want to be a cowboy. But there's never that, you're, you rodeoing right now, that ain't, that ain't new to you because your whole background is all that, right? Exactly, yeah. I uh, My dad ran a ranch uh, down in Porterville growing up, so my dad ran a ranch for a, a guy, uh, Les Guthrie was his name, and until I was about, I don't know, sophomore in high school, and then we left there and kind of started our own deal, and that that whole time he ran my dad and his brothers had their own set of cows too so he kind of stepped away from les's ranch to kind of focus on the brothers you know mm -hmm. uh in their herd so yeah I've, I've been i grew up in the western western lifestyle and and uh grew up competing in team roping i, I go to team roping jackpots and, yeah. and stuff like that 
the only thing that's new, really new to me is the steer wrestling side of it. You know, I always knew what it was, but I never, never even really attempted to try it because I was always focused on football. I didn't want to take a chance of hurting the knee or shoulder or something like that. Right. So. Even like even back even back in high school. See, I, I guess I assumed you probably bulldogged like high school, but no chance. No, never did. Never did. I, I just team roped. I just team roped, and huh. uh, my kind of felt like that was a big enough chance as it was. Being I was being as I, at the time I was a quarterback, and you know didn't want to take a chance on cutting a finger off, and kind of hard to throw a ball with only four fingers that's what they tell me yeah especially yeah. if you're missing a thumb that's yeah that's a hard <laughs> one yeah <laughs> i broke my hand one year uh when i was at fresno state my freshman year i was uh that spring i was trying to load a colt and she smashed my hand and, and broke my throwing hand the ring finger on my throwing hand so i go into spring ball and i got a cast on my hand where those two things like that and so I'm out at spring ball throwing, trying to throw a ball with just three fingers and the other two are casted up and Pat Hill didn't think that was very, very good. So <laughs> short, shortly after that, I made the switch to tight end. <laughs> well, Hey, you know, it, it's like the, uh, the baseball players, uh, Madison Bumgartner. Oh, there's right. a guy that pitched for the, has pitched for the reds. I was out in Buckeye, Arizona one winter and he was out there roping. And they kind of got to keep it on the down low because here's these yeah. major league baseball pitchers. It's like, dude, your thumb could pop off. Like it's, right. it's a touchy subject kind of. Yeah. And I will say that was one thing I never really hid from the NFL. Uh, Cause when, when you sign your contract, they make, there's a clause in there that says you will not compete in any hazardous activities, <laughs> but they, they explain hazardous activities as, riding motorcycles, you know, driving race cars, motor, like stuff like that. X game stuff, dream sports stuff. And so like, as a rookie, I'm sitting there signing my contract and I, I went ahead and signed it and I called my agent afterwards and I was like, Hey, does this mean I'm going to really have to hang my ropes at like my rope bag up? Can I, can I still ride if I want to on the weekend? Like if I go home in the off season and ride a horse. And so he asked him, he, he called the Niners and was like, Hey, what do you guys think of bear, you know, competing in team roping and, and riding horses in the off season? They said, and they told him, they're like, well, as far as we know, it's just a hobby. So as long as he, he doesn't come back missing a finger, we're okay with it. And so, <laughs> no guarantees. No, no guarantee. No guarantee. <laughs> uh, and so I, I never really hit it from him, but I didn't really showcase it either uh when like during the season it was strictly it was football that was my job that I was there you know and I'd come home in the off season in rope a little bit but it I was it was just it was to a minimum yeah you know it's the old uh it's the old Walt Garrison rule remember Walt Walt Garrison it was like at the college national final something when he did an exhibition and bull because he bulldogged and he was right. still playing for the Cowboys and tore up his knee. Uh, right. Logan's dad knows he was, they're all friends with Walt and tore up his knee. And so they'd call it the Walt Garrison rule. You can't do that. You can't do that shit anymore. Yeah. No. And that's why I've stayed, I stayed away from steer wrestling so much too. Uh-huh. It was like, it was always wanted to do it. Like I, I mean, I knew my dad steer wrestled, you know, growing up, he was a time event guy. He, 
steer wrestled rope calves team rope and so you know you kind of always kind of want to follow in your dad's footsteps so yeah uh i never but you know football was football was my first priorities i never i didn't dabble in anything other than just team rope so uh big news for you if i people always think this is funny but if i'm walking if i'm going down the street and on this side of the street there's a big rodeo going on and on this side of the street is a football game you go to the football game. I'm going to the, that feels like rodeo feels like work to me a little bit. Right. But uh, I just I I don't know what it what. Maybe you're the same way. I think we can relate. When I was a little kid, there was this romance to me about putting on football stuff. When we were little kids, I remember my mom and dad brought bought us the cheapo little Green Bay Packers uniforms. And yeah. we'd play. My brothers just beat the crap out of me in the yard. But there was just something about the smell of the grass, even in high school and the lights on, there's a romance to the game. And as shown, millions and millions of people watch. You can throw a crappy USFL game on and it'll get better ratings than the NBA. I mean, there's something something about it, isn't there? It must definitely. Like, you look at that new league that, like, uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, started this here this last year, the XFL. Now it's a little different, but I heard it had great ratings the, that first week it was on. So people just love the game. Yeah. You know, I think fans. that's the one I was thinking of XFL. That's what I, yeah. 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 And like, I haven't sat down and watched football really. Like I'll watch a couple playoff games or the Super Bowl or something like that. But like to actually sit down and watch a regular season game, I just, I don't do it. I'm kind of like you, like if it's, I'm, I'm probably on the other head of the coin where if on one side there's a rodeo or a football game, I'm probably going to go watch the rodeo just because, you know, that's where I'm at now. And football was, football gave me so much. Like it, it was my, it was my life for such a long time. And I mean, I don't regret one moment of it. It was so much fun. And, and like you said, there is a romance to it, you know, especially, especially at that high school level, you know, like, cause I feel like at that level, it's so pure. It's so just, it's all about the game and playing with your buddies and, you know, pep, assemb- your- pep assemblies and the parents and the, yeah. All that. yeah. The prep rallies and, you know, Friday night dances afterwards, you know, after you go and you throw a 50 yard bomb to win a game and then it's like, you're celebrating and you're like going to the dance and hanging out with your buddies and, like it's just all of it. That that yeah. whole time in your life playing football is amazing, and I like, and it it is it is great once you get to college too. You know that that's a lot of fun, and you know, but at some point it does become more of a job than it does you know just playing for the love of the game, yeah. and you know, and you're introduced to that really fast when you're introduced when you get to go to the you know those that small amount of players that get to go to the NFL, have that opportunity. They're introduced real fast that this now, now this is the business. Yeah. And if you don't perform and you don't do your job, you hit, you know, you're just a number. Yeah. It's the way I describe, and I feel this way when you get into positions like of, my job and stuff. I never feel like once you get to something that calls itself professional, you know, the NFL or whatever, it's never anybody's turn. It's never, 
oh, you're next. You know, football, uh, high school, you're a junior. The guy graduates, it's your turn. There's none of that. It, I think col- college is kind of the same way. You know, you start to see. Most definitely, yeah. College, when you get to college, you're, that's your kind of introduction to, all right, the best player will play, no matter if this guy's a, a freshman or a senior. You know, if you're if you're there and you got talent and you can help them win a game, they're going to put you on the field. Mm. And, and so that's, that becomes your introduction to, uh, you know, you better perform on the field because if you don't, then you're just going to become a practice guy. You're going to just go practice every time and go to school and get your degree and then go, go be great somewhere else. Right. Right. Um, I, you listen, you hear a lot in rodeo. I, and I do maybe get myself in discussions I shouldn't be in and maybe piss off some rodeo people, but no. there's all, what? <laughs> if, if there's one thing the Cowboy Channel coverage of all these rodeos has taught me, it's that rodeo fans can be as big assholes as any fans. So, um, but there's always this thing of, oh, look at that football player. He pulled a hamstring and he's out for three weeks. Cowboys are right. tougher. They would never sit out. And I always say that's out of necessity. Like on a, right. in football, if you're 60%, you're hurting your team and mm-hmm. you, you can have the opportunity to heal where rodeo it's out of, I got to do this or I'm not going to make any money. I think, I don't think that's a valid argument. I think it's opposite. Right. I think they're opposite sports in that sense. Am I close? I know. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Uh, uh, I got, a, I got a good story for you. Oh, good. I like stories. Uh, I like stories. And I, I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. But, uh, you know, it's like I, I was explaining a, to, I went and talked to uh, uh, some uh, junior high kids this last weekend for Steve Simons and, and his wife. Uh, she's a teacher. So I went over to her school and talked to other kids about, you know, playing in the NFL and doing that and now stepping into the world of rodeo. And it's so much different. Like you just said, like as a professional football player, if, if I go to a game, you know, if we get a, if we're in New York and we got to go play the San Francisco 49ers, it doesn't cost me a dime to get from New York to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not paying for food. I'm not paying for my flight. I'm not paying for my hotel room. Nothing. It doesn't cost me any, anything. They're actually paying me to do it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in the world of rodeo, if I want to go, if I'm living in Morro Bay and now I got to go to Red Bluff for the, you know, for the Red Bluff roundup, I got to pay for fuel. I got to pay for feed while I'm there. I got to take care of my animals. I got to buy stalls, you know? And so it is, you know, you look at the injury side of it as a football player. Yeah. I, unless it's like playoffs, like we got to get the, get to the playoffs and I'm, I might, and I'm a starter. I might be better than my backup if I'm at, I'm rolling at 70%, you know, uh, but as a rodeo guy, I like, if I'm, I gotta go, like you just said, I get, if I, if that's my main job, I gotta go make money. I, and I gotta, I gotta toughen up and go. Whereas a football player, they fits early on in the seasons, especially they have time to maybe sit a game or two out and really, and heal up. Yeah. You know, they, they can take the time to, you know, Oh, I don't want to put any bad, bad, uh, 
games on film. You know, I don't want any bad film. There's a lot of what, what guys say, hmm. you know, and, but you do have those tough, those, just those tough guys out there that are going to grind it no matter what, like, you know, those offensive linemen, those real good ones, it doesn't matter if they're hundred percent or not, they're going to, unless they're hurt, hurt, they're going to go. Yeah. And you don't, know, and it, don't, don't get me wrong. I do think because of the necessity that the pain <laughs> tolerance of a lot of Cowboys is out of this world because it's, ha- cause it's had to be, I didn't yeah. want to take away from that, but yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree. It is. Out of this world. I've talked to Tandy a few times about it, you know, and it's like, you know, with him working with the PBR, they assess a guy with a concussion that's a bull rider and they assess a guy that with a concussion, that's a football player. You know, it makes a football player look like a big wimp, you know, <laughs> but you know, the, the pain tolerance of that bull rider that has a concussion is, is way different. Their baseline is different, you yeah. know? Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, so what's your story? You said you had a story. So, so you're talking about like, you know, they, especially I'm going to use myself as a example here, just cause they, I hear it every time I ride in the box, you know, but it's like, Oh, played in the NFL and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's steer professional steer wrestler and, and stuff. So one year is like the second year I made the circuit finals and riding the box. They do all that. I go, don't make a good run. It's an okay run, you know, and I'm off to the left side. We're down in Lancaster, California, and I'm waiting for, you know, Hazer bring my horse back up. And I hear this fan or somebody from the stands go back to the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? I'm getting heckled at a rodeo. At a rodeo, man. (laughs) I I turned around and just hollered. I go, if I could, I would. (laughs) That's sad, man. You got rodeo fans heckling you. Well, it is California, though. It's California. It is Cali. Yeah. I was, I was already mad about the run I just made. It wasn't great. Then I hear this, go back to the NFL. And it's oh. like, you know what? Oh, man. <laughs> if I could, I, I, I would. No, but, trust me. <laughs> it, but, however, you did play for the New York Giants. I've performed in front of New York City fans. They'll oh, boo. Yeah. They'll buck off four or five bulls in a row at the PBR, and they start booing them. Like right. you, when, when I read about quarterbacks or players going to New York city and they're like, man, I don't know if they can handle the New York media and the New York fans and people up here are like, what, you know, you're just playing a game. No, no it, they are so harsh. Like just forward, no boundaries no, at all. No, no, not at all. They love their teams. They love their sports teams and they are passionate about them. And then, <laughs> I mean, you could be on the, so that year we went, we won, won their Super Bowl. You know, 2012, we come back that season and we start the season 0 and 8. Like, just oh, yeah. terrible. Bad. Oh, we were hearing so much kind of trash talk as walking off the field. But then you come back and win one game and everybody's like, here we go. We're <laughs> turn it around. <laughs> you know, and right back on the bus. You were 0 and 8 that year. Yeah. Or it, I don't know if we were 0 and 8, but it we're was old, like. Yeah. Tom, Two and six, something like that. It was bad. Tom Coughlin it, was Tom Coughlin your coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I should say for people watching. I remember we had the Super Bowl on. I we were it was on in the evening, and we were at a PBR because I was with Shorty Gorham. 
our friend Shorty Gorham, and we're at a PBR and watching the Super Bowl, and he's like, bear, bear. He starts yelling, and you caught a touchdown pass. So yeah. I'll tell you, you know, we can do a lot of cool stuff in life, but I'm not sure if you catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, by God, I might just wear a T-shirt around. They said, <laughs> I caught a freaking touchdown pass. That, that was yeah. the person at the rodeo. I caught a touchdown yeah. pass in the Super Bowl. What? You know, you got that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if I would have had it on, I probably could have, I would have showed him. But, you that, know. that would be surreal to me. A kid that comes through a ranching community, you know, really that part of California is pretty rural in essence. I don't think people, a lot of people realize that. How surreal yeah. to catch it. I just can't imagine. That had to be just cool as heck. It was, it was extremely fun. Extremely neat. Cause it like that whole, the whole Super Bowl experience, you know, like we were so, that team was so dialed in, you know, we we're on point, like, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, during the, during the season, you, you got stragglers coming out to practice and stuff, last minute guys getting taped or something like that, just kind of taking their time. There was none of that that week. Huh. Like we were, we were on the field ready to go 15, 20 minutes before practice was even supposed to be started. Like we were just, that whole team was dialed in and we were sharp and we were rolling. We were on it. And it, really didn't just the fact that we were playing in the Super Bowl really didn't hit me till like right before the game I was out on the field and it was quiet and I'm standing on the 50 yard line and it says Super Bowl 46 on it and you're just like oh my god we're here <laughs> holy shit how'd I get here where was it yeah where were you guys that year Indianapolis oh okay is that where the combine was back in your day too yeah so. yep yeah yeah yeah. Huh. yeah yeah that's cool um they haven't let any fans in yet, kind of looking around, you know, you're just like, wow, huh. finally made it. <laughs> finally made it. Is- I always thought through the years that, you know, Peyton Manning was always kind of the funny one and Eli never said anything. And I thought that's because he's beat down from playing in New York City all those years. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It takes a little while for him to get to know you. Once once he knows you and and is comfortable around you. He, he opens up. He's a, Eli's a big jokester too. He's so. gotten funnier. Have you noticed yeah. in the last couple of years, like with their Monday night football stuff that now he's funny. He, I've, I've heard that is hilarious yeah. with, with him. And, yeah. I, I always heard Peyton was kind of the smart ass. And then, you know, Eli just, you know, like you said, didn't talk. He was just, he was the quiet one. Yeah. And they always said Cooper really was the best athlete out of all of them. Yeah. You know, and, you know, but once you get to know Eli, and I, I've heard since he's retired, he's kind of come like, now he doesn't have to deal with the media. Like he didn't, like, I think that's, it was just a, a smart, you know, smart thing for him to do is just kind of stay quiet and not give the media something to get riled up about. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, um, what's been, you know, to me, you're naturally a bulldogger and you're mm-hmm. six, five. What do you pl- What's your playing weight now? You're not two fifty seven. No, no. I bulked up. Like I, I stacked on some pounds after I got in the NFL. I played in the NFL from two seventy two seventy five. No kid. And I'm still there. I'm still about there. Wow. So, Jeez. Yeah. I, you know, huh? And, and, yeah. and ran a five, three forty. 
Yeah. Oh, God. It, no, I got faster. I got faster. <laughs> well, my, well, pro day, my, my, my pro day uh, 40 time was a 473. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're good. What? A, and that was, that was why Ch- Chicago released me uh, when I, after I left New York and left Atlanta, I went to Chicago. And uh, after training camp, they told me it was because I, I wasn't fast enough to like spread the field. And I was like, okay. And two days later, I go to New Orleans for a, a workout and they had us run the 40. And I ran a 482 without any training. Like, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. You know, there's a couple of guys there and they're like, no, we haven't been, haven't been able to train for this. We're not running it. I was like, I have zero to lose. All right. <laughs> if they sign me, they're going to figure out how slow I am anyway. So might as well just show them now. And I went ahead and ran. And ran the 40, I ran a 482 with just on the spot. So huh. I was like, that's, that's not extremely slow, you know? <laughs> Freaking bears. Freaking bears. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Ah, come on. So what's been, uh, <clears throat> you're built like a bulldogger, you're athletic. I've always thought, you know, those great bulldoggers are sneaky athletic, you know, when you watch them. A lot of them, you, you look at the history. I mean, I've known Ty Erickson and his family you know, they're a big Montana ranching family. And you guys, to me, you're a, you're a similar size. He's six, five, his arms are 30 feet long, but he was a, you know, he didn't even play football. He was an all state basketball player. But to me, there's a sneaky athleticism that it takes to bulldog. I bulldogged at 140 pounds, just so you know, I sucked, but I was pretty, you know, I was there, but what's been the thing. Is there something that has made you go crap? That this surprises me. Like, what's been maybe the hardest part, or something about bulldogging that maybe has caught you that you didn't know would happen? Uh, I would I would think like the whole physical side of it has, like you said, it's come pretty natural. You know, just like physical abilities, being able to you know manhandle some steers and stuff. But I remember the very first. Uh, my very first practice, I guess you'd say shoot dogging. Mm-hmm. I could not catch my breath. And like, <laughs> I've been through a lot of football practices where you're just like run into the ground and you want to die. And I've yet to puke at any of those, but in the, in the arena mm-hmm. shoot dogging, I, there's been several times I've wanted to just puke and, and throw up and, like it's you can be in shape and then you got then you have to get into bulldogger shape you got to be in steer wrestling shape like it's just a different different animal you know like it's it's its own own thing when and I, I remember in high school i was a senior in high school and in the spring my dad was a really good he could teach bulldogging really well and it was just mm-hmm. groundwork I remember going to track practice and running like eight two hundreds and all right, we're going to we're gonna do some shoot dog and some groundwork. Same. You cannot simulate that with anything. No. It was awful. Yeah, and the only way to get better at it is to go do it. Is you gotta you've gotta go you've gotta get in the arena and, and go slide steers and like you can't get on a rower and go row for you know a week or two and be like, okay, I'm in great shape. I'm going to go, I'm going to go bulldog and be fine now. No, it's, 
<laughs> it's a totally different animal. I had a, I had a guy from uh, Charles Bazette. Uh, he's a actor slash Muay Thai world champion and stuff. And he, he called me and said he wanted to learn how to bulldog. I said, okay, come on up. I go, you know, there's a lot closer guys to LA that you could go to <laughs> instead of drive four hours all the way up here. And he goes, Nope, I want to come to your house. And I was like, okay, I'm just letting you know, I, I bulldog big steers. I got big steers. I got some little steers. I go, they're, they're tough. And he goes, Oh, that's, I'm in great shape. I'm a great athlete. I'm in great shape. You know, I'm, a, I feel like I'm going to pick this up really quick. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably. You're probably I, right. Probably. Yes. You are. I bet you will. I bet you will. <laughs> oh my God. And he, and don't, Charles is a great guy. Like this is a great guy. And he's a good friend now. Oh, his first practice head to toe, just covered in dirt. Actually one time, like hula hand this steer and like the steers laying on his head. And like, I had to run down and roll the steer off of him. He couldn't breathe had dirt in his mouth, <laughs> just gets up, hat falls off. And he's, looked like he'd just been run over by a bus and he's like huffing and puffing or walking back up to the shoot to run another one and he goes he goes i'm he looks at he goes i'm two weeks out of a a fight camp he goes i'm in really good shape and he goes i can't catch my breath (laughs) i said i know i know i go and I, i don't think he knew this about me at the time i told him i go listen i go i came from the nfl I go, I played in the NFL for seven years. So I go, when I first started this, I was in really good shape. And I go, I wanted to die the first time I started. I did it. (laughs) He goes, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I go, go, this Steerison's its own monster, man. Like you just got to do it. You got to do it and learn, learn what works for you. And we're speaking you know, of coming in when you said you came out of the NFL and thought you were in shape. Did you come out of the NFL overall, big picture wise, pretty unscathed as far as stuff that affects you every day? I mean, you for, see, for you the, seem for, to have. Yeah. For the, for the most part, like I'll, I'll have little aches and pains here and there because, you know, the things that plagued me were when I was playing was high ankle sprains. Had a lot of high ankle sprains. I had AC sprains in both shoulders uh, multiple, multiple stingers, stuff like that. But the thing that, you know, never really hurt me at all was my knees until I got to new England. Uh, my knees were great until I got there. And, uh, Bill, Bill asked that I, cause at the time I was there, they're like, man, you're going to be blocking a lot. We're, he goes, just let you know, we're going to use you as a blocking tight end. If you, if you make the team. So he had me wear knee braces and, the first set of knee braces they put on me just because they don't let your knees move naturally. Right. And they're playing and man, it just killed my knees. Mm. Killed my knees. And like, to the point where like, it was hard to just walk upstairs. And finally I I was like, coach, I, I understand that you want me to do this and I will, but can I find a different, something different? I, I was like, these are, or killing my knees. Like I, it's hurt, hurting to walk. And he's like, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you bet. Like, and he said, yeah, you can wear whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's about all I got out of it. It's uh, just work. Yeah. You know, 
find, find something that works. You weren't a you well, you weren't a huge Bill Belichick fan, were you? I think you told me that. I re- I respect him very much as a coach. I didn't have a whole lot of dealings with him. Yeah, he's he'll go down as one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NFL, and you know he just. Yeah, did there? I didn't have a whole lot of dealings with him, so mm. you know, he. As far as I know, I mean, I I respect him, and he respected me. Yeah. For, I, I, I don't. As, I, he dealt I, with me. I, <laughs> I always ask about Bill Belichick. Do you know Dane Fletcher? Yeah, Dane. I I did a TV deal. Dane's a Bozeman guy, and so right? we did a during the big game day week. Uh, Bobcat Grizzly game. We did a TV deal together, and I've got acquainted with Dane, and he t- he has classic Bill Belichick story. You know, Dane showing up in cutoff jeans, and he had a good relationship with him because he was an underdog. Yeah. You know, he was that guy that shouldn't have been there. So, yeah, Dane was a good linebacker from Montana State. Very good linebacker. I, I got to meet Dane at, up in Whitefish at a charity event they did every year in Whitefish, and so I got to know a lot of the Montana boys up there and uh it was they're all great guys great guys and it was look at us love them love them <laughs> it was so much it was, it was such it was, uh i believe it's doug betters doug yeah, betters did doug a betters. Uh, uh did a charity event right there at whitefish every yep. year and went like two or three two or three years in a row and, and like the first year i got to know dane and then the next year we met on the field together and so like you create a relationship with the guy off the field at a charity event and then you go play against him we're like freaking snickering at each other across the ball and stuff (laughs) (laughs) you're you're like halfway talking smack but it's in all in good fun because you've you've become good friends and and, you know it's just it was a good time i'm I'm sure dane was a lot he was there a lot longer than i was so yeah He's got some really good stories. We give Dane, we give Dane Fletcher crap about being so good looking. Like that's just a running joke. The little bit eyes around him. Just man, Dane, you look good today. Like (laughs) if I looked like Dane Fletcher, I wouldn't be as single as I am right now. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know that's terrible. Uh, Okay. So as you're rodeo and you've been to, you've been out to Texas and then Scottsdale and, your wife, Katie, has a great horse. How's her year going? Your wife, great barrel horse. She's tough. Yeah, it's going good. You know, she's she's going and blowing. Uh, you know, just trying to make the best run she can every time. So yeah. she's, she's doing good. Doing good. Yeah, you're uh, you're home alone, so you're not. You have no chance at the Golden Hoof Pick Award this year because you're not not out on the road with your barrel racing wife. I know. It's all right. Blew it again. Knocked down a little bit. <laughs> Who, right. uh, when you're out rodeo, all these rodeos you're going to, and you're going to good ones. Who's the Who's the best bulldogger in pro rodeo right now? Who's the Man. best bulldogger you've seen in, in this era? Your colleagues right now. Oh man, there's a handful of guys that I really thank the world of and that have helped me. Uh, you know. You, you mentioned Ty Erickson. I think the world of Ty. Uh, I think he's a great bulldogger. Stan Branco's helped me a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tucker Allen come, you know, Tucker and I, Tucker Allen and I, when, you know, like the, when the spring rodeos come out, uh, get started up, like he comes to the house and practice 
quite a bit. I, when Luke was still living out here in California, I'd go down there and practice with them. You know, Tucker's doing really well. Oh, shoot. Well, you know, Luke always says, you know, Luke, Luke Branquino is, is credited with being one of the, possibly the greatest bulldogger ever. Cause his technique was so good. And he, his technique was good. Cause he was my size when he learned to do it. And that right. makes a difference. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, one of the guys that probably helped me one of the most, and I just love being around and traveling and bulldogging with him when I, and he's kind of semi-retired now was Bill Boogenig. Oh, Bill Boog, the Boog is unbelievable. He's a great guy. (laughs) He cracks me up. Oh, shoot. Um, You know, I I think Wag, Tyler Wag is back because he's not very big. I think Mm -hmm. he's, when I, every year I watch him at the NFR and every run he makes, I just think he's just a good bulldogger. He just does a lot of stuff right. Yep. No, yeah, he's definitely, definitely one of the best. Definitely one of the best. No doubt about it. You know, and I, I feel like that's one thing that I've had the uh, benefit of learning from from Johnny. You know, let's say, uh, yeah, I was your father-in-law, John John W. Jones Jr. Cret also. That's why I said that era. A lot of people to this day, greatest bulldogger ever. Yeah, well, you know, because like the size of the cattle have changed. You know, he was, he was making them hit back when they were, you know, a lot bigger steer. And, and, you know, you, you talk to senior John senior before yeah. he passed and they're way bigger when he bulldogged. Them. Of course they were, you know, they're <laughs> 800 pounds when they bulldog them, you know, and you know what, I wouldn't put it past him that he was, that he was probably right. Cause I've seen some pictures of him of senior bulldogging and this horse he was riding either was just really small or the deer he was bulldogging was extremely big. Cause get, this, they get off straight across like this. Exactly. Yeah. It is one of my favorite pictures of him, uh, of John senior, uh, and, uh, big Brown steer is stepping into him. This horse is getting over and he's getting off. He's, he's got his arm over the steer's back. And the space in between the steer's eyes looks like it's about a foot and a half. And the steer's shoulders are above the point of the horse's shoulder. Like, is he's huge. He's huge. And it's like, it's one of the coolest pictures. I, I just kind of shows the, the whole error. You know, it's like big steers, fast horses, and guys are just throwing the heck out of them. But... I, I feel like with Johnny, like I have such a great opportunity to learn from him and learn that technique. And, you know, cause I'm a, like I said, I'm a bigger guy, but I've learned to kind of bulldog like a little guy as far as having good technique and stuff and not just hitting and trying to rip their head off or something like that. Like I've, I've learned to kind of really have good control of my feet and, and really shape one up and, th- and throw him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, still. And is he, is, is your father-in-law, Johnny, is he vocal? Like, does he step up and help or I don't know him real well to say hello. I do. Or is he pretty quiet guy until you ask? Extremely quiet, extremely quiet in the practice pen. Like there's multiple times, like I'd have to go to him and I'm, and I'm used 
coming from football, I'm used to getting critiqued after every play, every, you know, you, whether it's, Hey, good job. Keep doing that. Or, uh, you know, you, you need to cr- fix this or fix that. And so like, I'd come back, I'd go try to make a good run on the ground, come back. What do you think of that? Good, good. good. Just yeah, keep it going. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, especially now here in the last couple of years when I've actually feel like I'm getting better and be like, Johnny, tell like, what do you think? <laughs> tell me we, what you- we all need one of these once in a while, you know, or, or an ass chewing like too much, <laughs> you know, if it's, if it was terrible, tell me it was terrible and, and help like, Tell, I want I'm, I want to know your thoughts. <laughs> like, that do, that doesn't surprise me. The little bit I know him. Yeah. Yeah. Good head catch. You know, good head catch. <laughs> the rest of it was terrible. But good, good head catch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I've, I've been keeping up a little bit with you. Uh, you're are you training and helping some young kids now? Yeah. Fo- young football players, right? Mm-hmm. What do you got yeah. going? What do you got going there? So this last year I started kind of my own coaching, uh, coaching business and it's called a uh, full speed decision performance. Okay. And, uh, it's all about giving kids the, the confidence, helping them develop the technique. So they have the confidence to step on the field and go play fast. Cause like you hear a lot of, a lot of coaches, you know, Hey, make it play fast. You got to play fast. Well, playing fast is, having confidence in your technique, knowing your job and just going out and playing, like going out and knowing that you have the correct technique and you know your job good enough that you don't have to worry about anything else and you can go play fast, you know, because when you hesitate, especially on the football field, if you're, if you're running down the field, trying to make a tackle on kickoff or something like that, or, you know, you're trying to tackle somebody, if you hesitate and you slow down, that's when you get hurt. That's when you get yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, you, whether you get juked, you get blocked, or you or you literally get hurt when you when you slow down and play. When you play slow is when you mm-hmm. hurt yourself. All right. So you got to when you step on that field, you got to you've got to have the ability to go play fast. And like I said, you know, playing fast is having the confidence in your technique and knowing your job. And so that's where I'm at right now is um, working with young football athletes uh, all across the board. You know, if, if it's on the offensive side of the board, like I offense, offensive side of the ball, I mean, uh, I've been able to work with them and help them develop those, those techniques that give them the confidence to step on the field and go play, go play fast and, huh. and play. That, that goes back, remember one of the first questions I asked you today about going to training camp and being able to have the confidence to just play like you should play? That's a, that's, it isn't a physical game. That's a mental game. That's the mental side of it. Yeah. And it's been, it's been really fun. I've had a great, uh, I've got, uh, I'm starting, starting to build a lot of great relationships with some, uh, young athletes over in Porterville, over my hometown, uh, been working with some kids here, here on the central coast. And I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's, that's something I, I kind of acquired when I was playing in the NFL, uh, you know, on your day off, they'd have 
different charity deals you can go do. And I w- I've gone to a bunch of NFL play sixties oh, yeah. uh, days and you go out and you, you know, you, you're having these young kids just do basic stuff and it's, there's a bunch of them out there and it's fun. You, you kind of make relationships or kind of have a relationship with a young athlete for that day. And at the start of the play 60, they're kind of, they're quiet. They're not really knowing what to do, but by the end of it, you know, they're, they're going full speed and they're going all out because you've, you, t- you took the time to like stop and tell them something that, you know, you know, Hey, you know, lower your hips when you go to make this cuts, so don't stand so tall or something like that. You mm-hmm. told them something that helped them get better and it allowed them to go have the confidence and have fun and be like, Hey, I can play this game. Yeah. And so that's something I've tried to bring into this is, uh, is that like my group, my cl- coaching clinics and stuff like that, football clinics that I'm camps that I'm doing, I keep them fairly small from like 10 to 15 kids. So I can show those athletes more personal attention. And, and one, I can, I mean, I can keep, keep control of the group and, and, and stuff like that. But if I, if you're one of my athletes, Flint and, and like, Hey, I slow everything down, stop everything. And I'm talking to you about, you know, get, you know, being able to pick up the ball as it leaves the quarterback's hand or something like that. Not only am I talking to you, but I'm talking to the whole group. And with a smaller group, they they can all stand there and, and get that same yeah. coaching point. So I don't have to keep telling them, you know, each one of them the same thing. I'm coaching you, but at the same time, I'm coaching the whole group. Hmm. And then, you know, they feel like they, they got that personal attention from me. You know, it wasn't, they didn't get lost in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I feel so it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's good. To, it's good for them to hear another voice too, besides dads yeah. or even their regular coach, their team coach who doesn't often have time to work on those little things with them. Right. I remember telling kids when I coached high school football, a little, listen, I'm going to be more mad at you for going half speed than I will for doing it wrong. I, I used to tell them if you're going to do it wrong and you're going really hard, that's okay. We can correct, you know, but man, tentative, if you're tentative, that's when people roll up on you. That's when so much to that. Yeah. That's that's interesting. No, I'd been keeping up with you a little bit and it looks like, looks like it's going well. What are you junior high, high school, that kind of age? Yeah. Junior youth, uh, junior high, high school. Um, actually I was, I got to work with a, a junior college tight end from Reedley, uh, had him for three days and, and like, he was a guy that started on defense. He was a linebacker defensive end and they switched him over to tight end. So he was, he was an open book. Like I got to really, and like kind of impersonate on him and, and give him some good, good coaching points of playing, actually playing tight end, actually learn how to stick his hand in the ground and step and make contact, roll his hips and, and catch the ball. And, you know, we, we did six workouts in three days. And I mean, I mean, the kid just was like a sponge. It was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I think that's so. why I think it's interesting. Now we're seeing, they're talking about players going into the NFL that 
coming from different countries and stuff. You see a lot of crossover basketball. Here I'm talking about football again. Basketball yeah. players that play basketball all through college and end up playing tight end in the NFL. But I think that goes to there's so much. Kids play for so long and their dads and their youth coaches. And I think that later start, they're a, they are a sponge. They're just, they do this and whatever you feed them, they translate it. There's nothing to break. There's no old habits to break. I think that's fun. I think it's really fun. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, you know, I've, my whole idea is, is like, you know, developing that social media side of it to like, I want kids to be able to log onto my social media and get tips on there. And so like, I'm trying to work on that a little better and, get that developed. And so it, you know, a young tight end or a quarterback, you know, logs onto my Instagram. It's like, well, if I'm having issues with my feet or something like that, you know, maybe I could, I want to be able to put little coaching videos out there that help them develop those good, you know, good foundation, good foundation and uh, technique so they can get started off on the right foot. Yeah. Uh, good for you. That it, it's uh, it's a different game working with kids, and if you have a knack for it, it's a great thing. It's um, you know, I have kids, and I don't really even like them, but I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, no, it's been fun. I like before I I got to coach high school football a couple of years ago for two years, and it was fun. It was fun. It's it's it, like you said, it's a different style of athlete it's a different type of athlete now than it was when, like when I was, I was even playing football, high school football, you know, kids are a little more sensitive and stuff like that. But I felt like I just kept it real with them. I like, if it was a good route, it was, I told them it was a good route. If it wasn't a good route, Hey, it was, that was terrible. That was really bad. You're, you're kind of, a, kind of a wuss. <laughs> Come on, man. Take it. Yeah. 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 I used to tell kid, our big thing was take your skirt off. You can't even yeah. say, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. About, you know, I had to catch myself because I was talking to them like actually grown men, you know, <laughs> there's certain things you can't say to a 17 year old kid. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But yeah. that was one thing though about it is they appreciated that. Like they're, they appreciate, I feel like I made an impact on them because I was 100% honest with them. Like, Listen, this is a violent game. The game, the sport of football is a violent game. And you can, you can be the best, you can, you know, good hearted kid and, and, you know, very kind. But if you want to, once you step on that field, you got to be a mean, nasty mother, mother, you know, I'm not <laughs> going to say, it, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> you know, like you got to have an attitude. I'm going to drive your butt to the ground. I'm going to pick you up, slap you on the helmet and say, Hey, I'll see you on the next play. Yeah. You know, we're going to do it again, you know? So, and I, I feel like those kids really got a lot out of that of learning. Like, yeah. Hey, and then once the whistle blows, the game's over, go shake hands and be like, Hey, good job. Hey, and you can be that good hearted, carefree kid again. Yeah. That's, that's fine. That's perfect. You know, cause I, that's how I feel like that's how I was when I, when I played, like, you know, especially when I got to Fresno and I really kind of took on that mentality, that hard nosed aggressive mentality that Pat tried to 
instill in us. It was like, and you know, the guys I got to play with, one of the coolest guys was Logan Mankins, you know, he's another ranch kid, you know, Mariposa and uh, man, watching him just toss the heck out of guys. And he, like, he's embodied the offensive lineman (laughs) uh, mentality. And he'd, he'd stuff guys on the ground and just maybe might even step on them getting up, you know? And then um, after the game, freaking one of the nicest guys you, you'd yeah. be around. Yeah. Uh, um, before I let you go, keep up with the uh, college basketball bracket stuff. I don't. Not at all. I don't. Not even when I was playing football. It was never really my... Do, you weren't a basketball player. Were you a basketball player? I played in high school. I yeah. played in high school, but yeah. after that, uh, I couldn't dribble. <laughs> that's and that if you can't, that's a that's a bad thing. That's a bad it's thing. A key, <laughs> key part of the game. <laughs> uh, I kind of I watch a little. Montana State's in there. <clears throat> they play Kansas State. And I watch a little, but I've lost touch with it. I was just curious. I've lost touch with college basketball a little bit. I think it has an identity problem right now. I mean, it's fun this time of year, but um, anyway. Um, uh, speaking of, like, back to, back to the football side of it and stuff real huh? quick, I got a question. Were you there at Montana State when uh, Pat McAfee came out and yeah. threw some beers down? Uh, okay. Oh, I was going to bring that up. So yeah, my girls are, one of my daughters is one of the rodeo coaches and my other daughter's on the team. And I actually was on game day. I was on the show that week, but he, uh, they had told me Pat McAfee's coming out and apparent. So the whole process was they were just going to let him ride a horse around. Well, then Kyle, the head coach said, you want to do some groundwork, throw a steer. And he said, before he turned around, McAfee had his shirt off into a tank top and it was freaking cold too. Right. And yeah. uh, he said, speaking of, I thought about it when we were talking about good athletes, steer wrestling, mm-hmm. it, the physical technique part of it, because he's a coachable guy, you know, McAfee was a kicker, but a good athlete picked yes. it, picked it up like that. And they, they showed it him throwing that steer, bringing his head around. He said, first try. That was the one that was his first one. First try. No, <laughs> and and uh and speaking of good guys my girls they have a picture with him in his bobcat rodeo they said he treated them like gold like and was good to me i caught him on set there and told you know told him who i was and said hello and he was wonderful yeah what yeah. a that guy's a weirdo man he's awesome <laughs> he cracks me up i love watching his show and listen, listening to it he he seems like a great guy just a good outgoing outgoing guy he breathed uh, life he breathed life uh, into college game day he may yeah. he took him a different level i think but oh i'm sure um, i've never got him but i i'd love the opportunity too a little trivia for you um because yeah. i got a call from this guy that week you know he always mcafee always wears a big buckle on college game day uh, he's always got a buckle uh, on the buckle he was wearing was shane hanchy's tie down roping uh, Pinocchio stampede buckle that week. Oh, really? So Hanchy yeah. called me and told me. So when I stopped McAfee, I said, you were in Hanchy's buckle. And he looked at me like, how'd you know that? So we were trading. <laughs> I had one of my gold buckles on. 
So, but I wore one that day. So anyway, that was the icebreaker of what we talked about. Anyway. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's get you to the NFR, right? Let's, yeah. that's the goal. Isn't that the point? That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. They're chipping away at it. Yeah. Uh, overall for between, We'll talk this season from the first of November or first October till now. How how would you evaluate your twenty twenty three season so far? Just okay, just okay. Yeah, okay. I haven't really gone. I didn't go to any, any of the winter rodeos or or uh, uh, my first rodeo. I was actually uh, was Tucson after after the circuit finals. Okay, uh, cool. cracked out there and you know made some good runs there. Uh, didn't quite go the way I wanted it to, but Hey, yeah. so that was, that's over with, but yeah, I've been making some good runs and so just chipping away at it. Well, in our conversation, text conversation back and forth, you mentioned that I would probably have to buy you a couple beers for being on this show. I uh, am, yeah. I'm coming to Clovis, California. I'll be there for the Wednesday night PBR. I don't have to travel till Friday going to Louisville. So I worked it with the committee. I'm going to hang around a couple days. So Perfect. I'll buy you a couple beers, just the two. <laughs> and you're going to win close. This is my prediction. We can look back on this Clovis, California steer wrestling champion, our friend McKenna bear Pasco. Awesome. I love your prediction. I love your prediction. <laughs> well, cause I'm going to try to, I've got it set up so far. Uh, for all the spring rodeos, I'm going to do a football camp in the same, in the same town. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So just kind of my way to, you know, go work, have fun, you know, and, and go steer wrestle. And uh, so if I, if I can get a camp put together, would you want to come out and help, help coach those kids a little bit? If I'm around, if I'm a dad, I'm only there a couple of days, but let me know. If you're there. If you're there yeah. If you're there. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. You just let me know. Good for you though. Doing that stuff. That's a great idea. Great idea. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll I, be fun. I, and with that in mind, with the conversation we had, I, I do want to compliment you. I feel like, you know, I always feel bad. I asked you one time about Eli Manning. I said, I promise I'll never talk about work again, you know, cause I know it is, but I respect the fact that a lot of people, they'll leave one sport to another. Well, I don't want to talk about that. And I like yeah. that you still, you know, football was good enough to you that it's really something you enjoy talking about. And now you're giving it back to younger people. I think that's a huge deal and it's a responsibility. I, I appreciate it. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, it's fun. I, it's something I, I really enjoy. I yeah. really enjoy working with kids and, you know, I feel like they appreciate it and they, they take a lot from it. They learn, they, they learn as much as they can and, and, you know, it helps them on the field. That's, that's, a, that's the main thing. Well, it's just helping them become better young men and better athletes. Wait till they see me hauling in some. Hey, I can't wait. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. The hands, <laughs> hands like a snake. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I appreciate your time, buddy. Always good to see you. You too. Thanks for having me on. Good luck with everything. And you be safe. Thanks buddy.